0: I'm Cameron Whalen for Bruno Mars and the Hooligans And I'm hanging with Ina Esco And the Verbally Effective
1: Podcast
2: Hi, I'm Davina Jones with Couture Cares And I'm here with Ina Esco On Verbally Effective Podcast Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective podcast. I'm so excited today. I have one of my sorors in the building with me, Miss Shelby County Commissioner, District 7. Tammy Sawyer, how are you? I'm good. What's up? What's up? What's up, founder of Take Them Down 901? <laughs> you know, you've been busy Took out of here down. in these Memphis yeah. streets.
0: <laughs> How's it going, Tammy? It's going. Grinding, working hard, tired. you tired. Empowered. Just trying Uh to think of words that explain my consistent state of being.
2: It's like (laughs) a plethora of things, right? Like, what did your day look like today?
0: Whew. Uh, My first meeting was scheduled for 8.30. I got there around 9 uh, because I went to bed late. But, I mean, Uh I, I was in and out of meetings all day. And I have my day job with Teach for America. Mm-hmm. I'm a commissioner. And then I'm still connected to like a lot of grassroots, especially electoral justice stuff. So oh, wow. I'm jumping. I was at a coffee shop. Then I went to my commission office downtown. Then I went to Crosstown where my day office, then back to a coffee shop. Then I was at the school board. Uh, oh, and okay. then I was here. Oh, and in between, God. I'm on the phone in my car.
2: Oh, wow. How do you keep up with your schedule?
0: Uh, I have, thankfully now I have an assistant, um, who does my commission schedule and I just try to send most of my stuff to her. (laughs) So she keeps my calendar up to date and I just have to constantly check my phone and emails all day to know where I'm supposed to be. Because it can change. I, I literally have to schedule, like, bathroom breaks. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm going to take this 10 minutes to run by the house. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> well, hey, hey, that's how it go when you're the commissioner around here and got a full-time job And as a well. full-time job. Well, I applaud you, lady. I really do. Now, what we're going to first start off with is your background information. We're going to dig a little deep. Okay. Now, I know you from the M, but what part?
0: And so I actually was born outside of Chicago. Oh Lord,
2: <laughs> I think I know something, and I don't.
0: Yeah, I uh, was born in Evanston, where Northwestern University is, and I lived there until I was about eleven and a half, and then we moved to Memphis, and yeah. we stayed between Midtown and Fayette County. Um, and my, I went to St. Mary's, graduated mm-hmm. from St. Mary's, seventh through twelfth grade. Okay. Two years at Hampton. Two years at University of Memphis. Wow.
2: Oh, my God. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. What made you guys move from?
0: My mom's from Memphis.
2: Oh, okay. So
0: um, she's from here, um, and my mom, dad, and I used to come back, like, before we moved here, we were in Memphis all the time. Mm-hmm. That eight hour drive was nothing, especially in the summer. Yeah. I'd arrive in May and be on my way back two days before school started, okay. you know? And yeah. my mom just wanted to come home. Her grandmother, who had a, a large part in raising her, who she credits for most of her success, um, was getting older. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be here with her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was like, cool. So, Mm -hmm. here we are. And my brother, uh, his father, lives here, too. And so, it just all worked out.
2: Is your brother older?
0: Yeah, we're seven years older.
2: Okay. Are you all tight? Yeah, we're cool. I I don't know if I've met your brother before. I don't know. I don't know. But... (laughs) You said you went to St. Mary's. How was St. Mary's?
0: Was, St. Mary's was interesting. It was a mix of things, you know. Um, I was one of three black girls in my grade. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I was as woke then as I am now. No. <laughs> I know you was. I know. Telling
2: Sister Mara, wait a minute, Sister Mara. Look, how was that history lesson at St. Mary's?
0: Well, I- constantly in trouble (laughs) because I I was constantly but what I had was a good foundation my dad Mm -hmm. is a super intelligent uh, intellectual book collector Mm -hmm. so I grew up reading my history so I wasn't uh, a black girl in a white school who didn't know who she was Mm -hmm. I was a black girl in a white school reminding you every day I am negro Mm -hmm. like Beyonce I like my you know negro (laughs) nose and afro
3: right
0: um you know, but it was tough. And, I mean, my parents still kept me really grounded. Like, my mom used to remind me all the time, don't get bougie, you one generation <laughs> out the hood.
3: Wow. Uh,
0: and so... Um, You know, I tell people who come to me all the time, and they're like, "My girls are in private school. How do I, you know, make sure they are as grounded as you?" Mm -hmm. I was like, "I understand there'll be growing pains. They're gonna come home one day asking you for like six hundred dollar pair of jeans, and you have to remind (laughs) them they black, and you don't do that. You know, there are gonna be times when that culture, because you spend most of your time at school, Mm -hmm. is gonna change who you are. But you just gotta course correct. My mom had no problem course correcting. Mm. You know, don't no. You leave St. Mary's at St. Mary's. Mm. Okay, (laughs) and when you walk through my door. Yeah. You know. This is how. And then also like all my outside activities were in the black community, you know. Church whatever, like summer programming I did, volunteering, you know. So,
2: wow. What part of Memphis is your mom from? So my mom was born
0: in North Memphis. Okay. And then her dad's family lived off Race Street, which I believe is over in South Memphis. Okay. Um and so yeah, she went to university in Memphis. Epsilon okay. Epsilon. Hey, uh, <laughs> and uh, in the seventies, and then um, yeah.
2: yeah, that is so cool. I got to meet your mom. I don't <laughs> meet your mom either. She's great. Um, I see you take pictures a lot with your mom. I see that you are very close with your mom yeah. from your social media.
0: Yeah, she's mm-hmm. one of you know we call her Gladys. She's hilarious. Uh, is she? She's like a Memphis Felicia Rashad. Oh wow! <laughs> like, yeah, I got to meet my. And thought. all my friends love her, and she's just Gladys. Like she. Mm-hmm. You got to love her. Miss Gladys.
2: Sarah Gladys. (laughs) Now, how did you choose on Hampton to attend college? My
0: brother graduated from Hampton. Okay. And I applied to a bunch of, you know, Ivy's leagues and PWIs. And then my junior year... I ended up doing a program at Hampton, which um, was called pre-college. So it was a summer between my junior and senior year. I spent six weeks at Hampton. Mm -hmm. And when I came home, none of those schools. I had gotten into Cornell. I had gotten into Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to Hampton to be with my people. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's when I came. That's when I fell in love with hip-hop. Like, I went to um, six weeks in Virginia. Uh, That's how I was introduced to, I'll never forget, most Deaf, Miss Fat Booty, was hot that summer. <laughs> and I came home listening to him and Shay She La Ghost by Ghostface. And okay. we that was not popping on the radio at home. Right. I went to Virginia with 100 CDs, half of which uh, were written on with, in Sharpie. There were 3-6 Mafia and 8-Ball and MJG, wow. and then, like, some Matchbox 20 thrown in, right? Because <laughs> remember, you? I went to St. Mary's. <laughs> and what I came variety. back in Nike talking about, yo, asking my mama, could, like, we, you know, get some of Nietzsche. And she <laughs> she was said, like, if you
2: don't get trouble your Virginia ass out, <laughs> wait a minute.
0: <laughs> Everything was mad, you know, that's mad crazy, yo. I'm at St. Mary's, I'm like, yo, oh, we wow. got mad homework, son. They're like, who is she? Like, oh, my God. Is that like the... A- <laughs>
2: It was that what was going on in Virginia, yeah. pretty much. I the never culture I mean in Virginia. I went
0: thinking like my icy white was and uh were the highlight of fashion and my like Eddie Bauer crisp pleated, you know, khakis yeah. and came back, you know, like, I need Timberlands for Christmas and my mother oh, was like, We wow. don't even know where to find those oh, <laughs> Like I mean Yeah. Oh, I mean God. you gotta think about it. that's like pre that's mm-hmm. that's, like, Jay-Z is big. You know, all that's yeah. coming across, starting to come across in videos and, like, New York culture yeah. and, like, Diddy Hip Hop and, you know, mm-hmm. early Jay-Z. And I was really just, and we still were a very Southern, like, music culture, yeah. you know. Um, if it wasn't, like, Outkast or, you know, somebody from Houston or
2: Memphis. Right. Now, when you were bumping your three six in Virginia, were they familiar? They, you know. Some of them.
0: yeah. But yeah. I came, I I brought more home than I left yeah. at that point. And so uh, my senior year was, was tough. Uh, you know, I was uh, constantly on Instant Messenger with my Hampton friends was happening mm-hmm. on campus, just trying to get back. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up applying to and going to Hampton. Wow. As it was my last choice wow. originally. And by the time I graduated, I was like, Rock the Blue and White.
2: What kind of activities were you involved in on the campus of Hampton?
0: Yeah, um, some of everything, (laughs) but mostly uh, radio. What? (laughs) Really? I, I did radio for two years. I started out doing jazz station, which everyone had to do a jazz, you know, to practice. You didn't really talk a lot. You did yeah. the, the breaks and things like that.
2: The technical stuff.
0: Yeah. But we had some suspensions and some graduations happen. And then I, like, pitched a show and got a chance to do a Southern hip hop show. Oh,
2: wow. Like, how did that flow?
0: It was called The Takeover with okay. DJ Tammy. DJ Tammy <laughs> on the M-I-C. And Southern rap was really just breaking open. Like, mm-hmm. T.I. was still T.I.P. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knew the clips. No one knew Pusha T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, um, Malice was the, the one mm-hmm. everybody liked back then. Um and so, it was cool because I played a lot of local, like, I would ask Virginia rappers to drop their stuff I off. That. Yep. And then, I was an intern for Atlantic Records. What? So, like, when the folks would drop their albums, and they would do the college tours, I what? would be responsible for them at Hampton. Wow. Like, Fat Joe came once, and we had a food fight. What? I'll never forget getting in so much trouble, because, like, I had gotten permission to have that joke in the uh cafeteria and yeah, I have having food and they right. and they throwing food right oh so atlantic's wow. mad at me hampton's mad at me <laughs> and i'm just like <laughs> oh
2: my <laughs> you
0: know so it was it was good times
2: so were you thinking like you said two years in yeah. radio were you wanting to do more with it or that was just
0: oh absolutely when i called my parents this is how I end up back at university. I need to go. I called my parents second semester of my sophomore year, and I said, "Hey, I just want to let y'all know that I changed my major today." And my mom's like, "To what?" I was pre-law, poli sci, mm-hmm. and I changed it to mass media.
2: Ooh, I know your mom was like, "No, <laughs> she you was didn't." Like,
0: Andy deal with it. Like I had called them on three way. They probably thought I was pregnant or something. Cause I was like, Hey, oh I need God. to talk to y'all. Hold on. I'm calling daddy. <laughs> I'm putting him on three way. Uh-uh. And I'll never forget in the, uh, call collect in the hall mm-hmm. <laughs> on the pay phone. Um, yeah. And, and, by the time I got home that summer, they they were like, we don't know who this girl. My mom used to say, I sent Hampton a to debutante
2: I don't know what they sent me back. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, she was like, that's not what we know. But then,
0: you know, it was a different world. Mm-hmm. To her, like, she'd been poor. Then she had wasn't poor. And she just didn't want to see me struggle. Like, when we talk about mm-hmm. these things now, she was like, I wanted you to have options. I wanted to make sure that, like... You know, your career was set up. I never wanted to see you, like, hungry. I never wanted to see you struggling. And to her, like, this was not, you know, what we see today about, like, the music industry and and people being able to be, like, DJs and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these other things. I was like, I could be the next Tom Joyner. She was like, there's only one Tom Joyner. You know, so she (laughs) just, they couldn't see it. Um, Right. And so. Wow, that's an interesting, fun fact about (laughs) you.
2: Okay, so you graduate, you know, upon graduating from college what were you trying to do tammy saw so
0: i went straight to dc and started law school at howard wow uh because i didn't know what i wanted to do and mm-hmm. i'd taken the lsat and i did pretty well I applied to a few places and my boyfriend at the time lived in philly mm-hmm. so i was trying to get closer mm-hmm. but i didn't want to move to philly mm-hmm. so i was like okay i'm gonna go to dc
2: mm-hmm. and i
0: hated law school
2: you hated it why
0: it just yeah no
2: Was it because of the the work that was entailed or? The work
0: is, it's just different. I mean, when you get into law school and you sit down with a book of cases in the subject and you're reading, just what I was reading, I was like, I have no interest in any of this. Like one day I had an assignment of 20 cases to read and they were all about how the Coca-Cola plant set manufacturing laws for today because they were sued so many times mm. for negligence mm. like it's coca-cola v johnson i don't know the real last names but it's like the person found a rusty nail in their coke another person got <laughs> poison from the coke another person put their like hand in a box and got broken glass and like it's like all of these standards we have today were set by this series of coca-cola cases right and i was like give a can you curse on here? I don't. You can curse, I don't yeah. give a fuck. Like I just didn't care. <laughs> like at that point in time, right? This is law school. <laughs> like, like, like ugh. and I was, you know, I was privileged. I was sheltered, and I was trying to break free. Mm-hmm. Most of my time in D.C. was spent not going to class, kicking it mm. on U Street. Uh,
2: you was hanging out with Kenneth Ward.
0: <laughs> well, we're like a decade apart. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> same, same life. Okay, <laughs> but and and so I was just really trying to find my way. I mean, mm. during that time, I was a party promoter. A party
2: I, I, promoter.
0: I was a Siroc girl. Like, actually, I can see the, a the internet Rock is girl. scrubbed of these photos now. <laughs> oh Wait a minute, let's back up. <laughs> I, Literally, like pictures of me like introducing the new flavor of Siroc. Join i gotta get that picture <laughs> look i gotta get
2: that picture that's gonna be the picture for the podcast when i promote the podcast no well, wait a minute you in law school you party promoting yes you a a girl
0: all of this at clubs just like about and i just was living the life
2: it was fun wasn't it
0: and then about halfway through i was like i'm wasting my i'm i'm adding debt to my life wasting mm-hmm. my parents money I had gotten an internship with the Navy, had done this competition and gotten an internship. So I dropped out of law school, signed my internship. It was a paid internship. And I called my parents, was like, Hey, I'm not doing law school anymore, but don't worry. I'm working for the Navy now. And then, like, hung up.
2: Oh my God. (laughs)
0: And spent the next seven years in DC working for the Navy. And yeah.
2: Oh my God tell me i didn't know all this
0: i mean i wasn't just like born out the womb with my fist in the air no no you were you were
2: So, rock girl what are you talking about okay so let's fast forward um okay so you come back to memphis what brought you back to memphis you was done with dc i'm ready to go home DC
0: is like neverland mm-hmm. um i have friends i've been gone a little over five years now and i have friends who are still if i Flew into DC right now. It's Wednesday night. I can tell you exactly where to go find them. It's I can hop in an Uber. Know exactly what <laughs> bar they're at. <laughs> know exactly what club. Know exactly where they are or know exactly where they are having dinner. And I was like, I want to grow up.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I would, st- if I was still in DC, that would still be my life. Mm-hmm. We would have shifted from U Street to H Street to whatever the street is now, mm-hmm. right? I would have like went from hanging out at Park to whatever the hot spot is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have gone from drinking. Uh, Peach the Rock being my favorite to what is it the Blackberry Lemonade junk that everybody loves now <laughs> like and and I, I just felt like I could do more
3: mm-hmm.
0: and do different and so I was going through a moment of crisis and then two major things happened Trayvon Martin got killed and I call that like the great awakening of our generation mm-hmm. um, and so for me when that happened I was like wow you know we sitting on patios, you know, thinking we made it. Mm-hmm. And this is still, like, our reality. Like, I don't oh, care yeah. if I can buy a bottle every weekend mm-hmm. or if four of us can go in on a bottle every – because that was more of the reality. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't care if that's, like, what are we doing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And thinking about, like, how my eyes were closed to the plight of, like, the majority of black people, right? And then a few months later, my – I worked at Washington Navy Yard – and one of the part-time employees there went into the building that I worked at, shot and killed about 13 people.
2: Oh, my.
0: And I'll never forget that morning I was late because I'm always late. I think I remember that. Yeah, and I was late, and I missed it by, like, five minutes. like the only reason I wasn't in the building is because I had to turn around that morning and go grab something at home. Mm. And then I got on base, and they were, like, started pushing people off base to go clear out the building. Oh and in those two weeks, I mean, I just, was like, something's got to be different. I've got to do – I if I had died today, what would I have done with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then I told my parents. They came to visit me for Thanksgiving, and I was like, I want to come home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what I want to do. I want to do something.
2: Wow. So you've been home for five years. Yep. You've done quite a bit <laughs> within those five years. So like a decade, yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's start – With um, talking about, you know, take them down 901. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are familiar with, um, you know, you founding this entire mission to get these statues down because of, you know, Memphis has a, I guess, a lot of people say Memphis is kind of still stuck in, you know. (laughs) Uh, in time, as far as you know, racial issues, things of that nature. So, like, how did it all begin with you even pursuing taking these statues down?
3: Yeah.
0: So, fun fact I actually wrote about Nathan Bedford Forrest for like my senior high school paper. Oh, wow. But I forgot that <laughs> until I was like in the midst of taking them down. So, they're not really connected, but it's just funny to me. Mm-hmm. um That's interesting. But, um, so the way take him down, nine oh one one came about is I got involved in activism in the city when um, the officer, Darren Wilson, who killed Mike Brown, was not indicted in St. Louis. And then the officers who killed Eric Brown were not indicted. Mm-hmm. And that's how I did my first protest. And I just, yeah. like, kept waiting to see an announcement about a protest happening. Like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Because in D.C., like I said, you walk off your stoop and you just join. Oh, we marching for equality. You know, economic rights today? Oh, we marching for environmental rights? Like, whatever, mm-hmm. right? And it was just quiet. You know, a little in chatter. Memphis. In Memphis. In Memphis, mm-hmm. home of the assassination of Dr. King. And right. folks was like, Gotti dropped a new track. <laughs> you know? Right. like, exactly, And though. I was like, and I'll never forget sitting on my parents' couch watching CNN with them watching they had the split screen of, uh, like, Don Lemon here. They can't see me. But Don Lemon, like, Mm -hmm. on the left and on the right side, all the other cities. Like, right now, Kansas City, you know, Oakland. Uh, And I'm like,
2: "Where's Memphis. Memphis.
0: (laughs) And so I went on Twitter and I said, yo, what are we going to do? And somebody said, I don't know. You tell us. Mm. And it was, like, a challenge. And so my dad, growing up, uh, he was about, for four or five years, CFO for the Civil Rights Museum. So it's a big part of, like, my growing up. Like, it's, like, home to me. So I reached out to someone I knew there and was like, I really want to recognize what's happening. I don't feel like I have a safe place to lead a march. You know, mm-hmm. uh, can I do it here? And they were like, sure. And that's how I did my first protest, which was okay. die-in at the Civil Rights Museum. Wow. And then I just kept doing it, and I just kept talking, and I was writing, and I was interviewing, and I was organizing. Darius Stewart gets killed, 2000 summer 2015, right? And then like part of that you know Mm -hmm. out front learning losing winning all kind of things that go into you know organizing it was a very tough uh growing period
2: how did people respond to you when you were going through this process were they looking at you as our leader because you know i think there's a
0: couple of reactions that that still exist Mm -hmm. you know there are people who are like yeah Tammy Sawyer, that's our leader. That's mm-hmm. our girl. Mm-hmm. If she, if uh, oh, if she met at FedEx today, we met at FedEx today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there, I mean, there are people who, like, firmly believe in my authenticity, believe that I'm speaking from the heart, believe I'm speaking for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who think I'm doing this to grow my name and get ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, where would she come from? She just popped up. She mm-hmm. don't care about us, da-da-da-da-da-da, ah. you know. Um, and then there are people who I had to learn from, who were like, yeah, cool, and also you're coming in community, like you're this like bougie rich girl, not rich, one, let's be (laughs) clear. But to them, Mm -hmm. right, I'm entering into your community, like fighting for rights and saying I'm doing it on your behalf, but I'm getting more attention and I'm speaking louder than you are. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn that like, I'm actually a very safe character for people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you close your eyes, you listen to me talk, there's nothing like that would offend you uh, as a mainstream person. It's easy to hear what I'm saying and receive it. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends, Shay, Shahida Jones, gonna be like, "F you <laughs> and your respectability product uh, yeah. uh, politics. Run up, get done. Uh, you know, yeah, Shay. and you ain't heard. What's it. up, Shay? You know what? <laughs> What's up, Shay? <laughs> and I talk about Shay all the time because we are very good friends today because we had to learn from each other. Right. She mistrusted me. Out, like mm-hmm. who we're, initially initially like she was like again who is this bougie girl coming in here mm-hmm. you know with these crisp tees and inks at the end of her words mm-hmm. talking about like social justice and i was like who's this hood girl gonna tell me mm-hmm. i ain't real oh and um, we both grown so much yeah. <laughs> but it took a lot you know because yeah. i was like at first I could be at home like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I could be at brunch. I could still be in DC. Mm-hmm. I am in the middle of Winchester Road mm-hmm. about to get arrested. Mm-hmm. and you go this is the moment you gonna ask if I'm real. right? But I've really learned that that's okay mm-hmm. because what I'm gonna prove is I sh- I keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Like even once I got elected, people still see me every day mm-hmm. in their community. I communicate, I be on social media, posting, telling y'all, like breaking down what things happen, all this other stuff, voting against other Democrats, (laughs) voting Mm -hmm. against other black people, because I'm like, we're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Good idea. We could do more before we pat ourselves on the back here. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It would be much easier for me to have just like gotten elected and be like, okay, that's great. Thanks for... Thanks for supporting me all these years. I'm I do <laughs> I'm going to go be a commish. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I don't you care. You out here, Tammy. Yeah. You
2: were out here. Now, you pissed a lot of people off with them statues, <laughs> though. Did you feel, you know, scared for your life?
0: Definitely. Um, yeah. You know, I received a lot of death threats, like, in the height of Take Him Down Um
2: Why did these statues mean so much to these people that's giving you death threats? Like, they didn't give a fuck about them statues until. But you, they did. Did they really in real so life?
0: The summer before. The summer that. Uh, everything popped off would take him down 9-1. We had started, I did not think, I thought this was like a two to five year campaign. We were going to do some letter writing, maybe a protest every quarter or something like that. Something to keep the pressure on and say we care about this, right? But I was like, we got other stuff to really put all our energy in. So this is not going to be the main theme. But I'll never forget about three weeks before Heather Heyer was killed in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. The Sons of Confederate Veterans had their national convention here. My cousin was working at the Sheraton at the time. She said, did you know the Confederates were coming to town? I said, no, really? Sends me their itinerary, tells me that the MPD TACT department had been there sweeping the hotel and was providing them security the entire weekend to make sure they were safe. Just them. I've had a police officer, a black man, rabid, yelling and spitting in my face like, "If you don't get off this sidewalk right now. In front, I'll never forget, I had my hands up. In front of um, the ballpark, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like just you know, hands up. We can't breathe. Like you yeah. know, hands up. Don't shoot. And he's just like, if you don't put your hands down or you walk away, you interrupting these people's ball games. You're interrupting uh commerce. da da, da. like just a black cop. pissed. Mm-hmm. And he felt like I was the center of it all. So he's just, you have to go, so all these other people will go, and I wouldn't move. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was just waiting for him to put his hands on me. Mm -hmm. And then to hear that the damn Confederates get escorted, Mm -hmm. they got escorted to the park where they were all dressed in, like, antebellum wear, Mm -hmm. you know, the big hoop dresses, and the men were dressed in Confederate, like, um, Confederate uniforms, laying a wreath ceremony for Nathan Bedford Forrest's, like, birthday. Like, these folks, they worship him. And the crazy thing is, historically, Nathan Bedford Forrest was not a major general. Mm. They His story, what, when the Confederates, when white supremacists started the retelling of the Civil War, he was someone they were able to latch on to to create this myth of mm. this, like, genteel, you know, like this, you know, th- that, that these Confederates were just about protecting their women and protecting their land and and they loved all people. Remember he kissed a black woman on the cheek and you know <laughs> at his 79th birthday. So right. he's not a racist. Mm, mm, um mm. but they care. He he is their figure. Mm. Um he's their MLK. He's their uh, Malcolm okay. X.
2: Oh, okay, so I could think about it like that. Yeah. That's what he is to them. So they was mad at your ass when the, when them things came down, baby. Yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: I remember like I was laying in bed one morning. It was like 6 a.m. My phone would not stop ringing. I could not figure out why. And so I was like, "Hello!" I just finally answered one mm-hmm. call, and, and just someone yelling on the other end. And I was like, "Who is this? How'd you get my number? It's on it's on social media. You better watch out, girl." And I oh. like hung up. And I'm looking every missed call that I had was mm-hmm. a number that I either blocked or wasn't saved. So I go and I search. We had given this list of demands to the mayor, and at the end of it was a letter. Right, it was like here's the demands and person to contact was me with my phone number on it. The news and wanting to be the first to break it
1: Policy. holds
0: up the letter Which while I they're reporting. That? Just right now, uh, Tammy Sawyer and taking down nine one. My phone number in the middle oh of the damn God. paper, mm,
1: mm, mm. and
0: then they're like showing the picture. Then they took a picture of it and just posted the picture of the demands. Like, with the whole letter. And I'm like, y'all don't know how to crop? Oh, wow. So, I mean, I've been followed home. Like, shout out to the alphas. They -hmm. realized I didn't have any protection. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they, like, set up escorts. Um, They would follow me. Like, if we had uh, um, protests or events during that time, Mm -hmm. they would be on me. Like, a Mm -hmm. car in front of me, a car behind me. You know, I would still Mm -hmm. drive myself so no one would know. Mm -hmm. So that's how I knew I was followed because they, you know, two of the bras, like had me turning and turning and turning till we lost the tail. That's crazy.
2: You know. Do you and, are you packing?
0: No, only because like I myself am very clumsy, like I'll probably like trip walking out of here. Oh my And God. so when people are like you need a gun, I'm like, look, game recognize game, like I just <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. for everybody's safety. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, <sighs> I have friend, a friend who sent me, like, industrial-strength mace. And, and then also, you know, <laughs> I also strength. was on, like, the, um, the city hall surveillance list. Like, I was a part of that lawsuit, you know. Um, wow. I was definitely one of the people they were surveilling. Still don't trust that I'm not under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I, you know, F up, mm-hmm.
1: they're
0: going to have me all over the commercial appeal. Oh, definitely. I'm not, like, public enemy number one, but... Mm-hmm. I don't have room for mistakes. And so a gun in my house, a gun in my car, you know, I'd rather call an alpha. (laughs) Bros. Thank you, bros. Shout out to the
2: bros. Wow. Well, you know what? You know, since we're talking about, you know, you when you began organizing, you know, I know that you and Dr. Earl Fisher Mm -hmm. are really good friends and, um, You know, he has a church, Abyssinian, a black church. and You know, back in the day, we did a lot of organizing in the black churches. I mean, what do you feel is the role for the black church in contemporary politics right now?
0: It's that's a tough question. I mean, it it just depends on the pastor.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't think we have a collective black church like we did. In the 60s. Yeah. Um,
3: Earl's church
2: is probably more radical yeah. than most.
0: At Earl's church is definitely more <laughs> radical than most. There's there's layers to it, yeah. you know. Um, and then you've got pros- the rise of prosperity preaching mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, no. Don't talk about what the white man's doing. You just need to pray and mm-hmm. it'll be better. Or mm-hmm. you need to tithe and you won't have to worry about racism,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know. But, you know, statistically, none of that's true. 12 years from now, economists say that black wealth will be zero dollars. Zero? Yeah. So that means that, doesn't mean like, don't worry, Blue Ivy still going to have her money. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But what it means is that if you take the, like, people who have a positive net income and subtract their total from the people who have a negative net income, you'll get to zero. Wow. So we are trending towards there being more debt in the black community than wealth. Mm-hmm. So 12 years nationally to me is like four or five years in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the black church preaching about prosperity and not preaching about ending economic inequity mm-hmm. is just sad to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a preacher ask me last week, where do you tie?" And I was like in the streets, and I meant it. He didn't take it well. <laughs> like I was like, I tithe with my time. Wow. Sir. <laughs> like that's and such my a personal
2: wallet. question for him to even <laughs> ask you. I, like, I don't want to like, put we him on do blast. Do this in the
0: one nine? Like wow. Where do you, what? Anyway, okay. and so uh, so the black church, you know, I think has to turn inward and look at the reason that they were the center of the original Civil Rights Movement, because where we are now is just a continuation because it's a waking up and a realization we never got what we were asking for or fighting for in the
2: 60s. Never. So
0: when people are dying, I look at the fact that my dad just turned 70, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're like, oh, we just lost this hero. We just lost that hero. My father, you know, was born in 48. Dr. King was killed in 68. He was a 20-year-old man, Mm -hmm. right? So that's not five six generations ago no, that's, that's our dads and moms exactly. and aunts and uncles mm-hmm. so we are still existing we are the first technically free generation
3: mm-hmm.
0: but our generation is not free because of mass incarceration and the war on drugs mm-hmm. so we have yet to have a generation of black people that is born without any type of legal restraints on their being mm-hmm. and that's what I think as a black church we have to understand could be such a powerful tool mm-hmm. right I mean Earl says it all the time, even though he gets on me because I don't go to his church. Jesus was a radical black man.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, Earl! I always talk about that. <laughs> you know, he's and- definitely talking about that.
0: for us to be passive right uh when we preach you know Mm -hmm. for us to still not allow women in the pulpit for us to still not allow lgbtq people in the church for us to to pray to talk about god created adam and steve not adam and steve but we have the highest rate of hiv and stds in the community because we do not allow our black men and women to be who they (laughs) want to be or are um the black church has a lot to do. and But I see stirrings of that in Reverend Dr. Andre Johnson, Reverend Dr. Earl Fisher. Yes. Um, and that's why I am able to still believe.
2: Wow. I believe too, Tammy. I really do. Um, you know, let's talk a minute about the recent recognition Memphis has been making. Number one, you know, in various <laughs> categories. Uh, Memphis' is top destination to travel right now. Um, one of the 50 best cities to start a business. These number one categories, do you believe, I mean, what do you think about these number ones we're getting? I think it's some more that I can't like remember.
0: Yawning over here. I know, right? Like, are we really pushing
2: that? Is that like a big Yo, it's like if thing? I woke
0: up tomorrow and you had 12 million followers, I'd be like, you know, who'd you pay for
2: that? <laughs> Right. So that's (laughs) where we are right now. Because that doesn't really Um, translate to what we see every day.
0: It doesn't. If we look at the numbers, we have been engaged in a massive PR campaign. Really started with MOK50. Right. Okay. Now they got all the homeless people out of downtown. Uh, They locked up all those folks who were trying to protest during MLK 50. You know, they got pissed at my girl, Angela Rye, Mm -hmm. you know. But what they were trying to do was they paid a major PR company. And that PR company went to all these national organizations like, hey, let's talk about how 50 years after King Memphis is thriving. Memphis has momentum.
3: Hmm.
0: When I hear the word momentum and mainstream media keeps using it uh, because the mayor keeps using it, I say momentum for Who? On every indicator that says that people can thrive, uh, we score dead if not in the bottom three. Mm. We are lowest in the country on educational attainment, meaning that a, a young person has an opportunity to have an education that will prepare them for college or a job. Mm. We are the lowest in health indicators from childhood obesity, childhood diabetes to STDs and HIV rates. Um, powerful. <laughs> we are lowest with economic... Attainment, mm-hmm. meaning the majority of our jobs are manufacturing, part-time, contract-only jobs. Mm. Right, so yay, FedEx is moving downtown. Yeah. FedEx is bringing six hundred jobs. Digging deeper, no, they're bringing three hundred because, and then the other three hundred is going to be hired outside of Memphis. Mm. Mm. But who we gonna have? They they in Gibson. Right. And I'm old enough to remember parties on the Gibson rooftop. Me
2: too. I was like, dang. Those are my memories of Gibson.
0: Everybody happy (laughs) about the FedEx
2: announcement this week, huh?
0: Because we don't dig into the numbers. Mm. And that's the thing with, at, at the same time as we are pushing out Memphis, it should be curious to anyone that in three months, how many times you saw Memphis on a best travel list. Right. Right. We all trying to go somewhere else. We're all trying to go. Ain't nobody. My friends aren't coming here. No. And they're like, meet me.
2: It just seems so awkward. <laughs> it's awkward to even... and it's
0: paid for. Wow. And, you know, they'll probably be like, show me the receipt that's paid for. It is paid for, y'all. And at the same time, they are not talking about the fact of all of the other things that Memphis is actually earning. What we are earning is highest childhood poverty in the country. 50% of black youth are, live below the line of poverty. Mm-hmm. What we are earning is highest number of um, evictions mm. in the country. Wow! And people can't look at it as, well, y'all need to uh, have financial literacy. No, it's because we have predatory lending and predatory uh, landlords mm. that don't live in the city. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these, like, every week a report comes out It's like, Memphis is highest in this or lowest in this. And it's not most likely, like, best place to visit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's BS.
2: That's this, this BS. Let me talk to Tammy about this because this don't make no sense. But, I mean, I know it's a lot of negative. But, I mean, as the commissioner, I know you are a proponent for Memphis. So with that being said, how would you sell Memphis to someone? What are Memphis' strong points? I'm a
0: big proponent of Memphis. I mean, I came home because it's home. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I talk to people about Memphis, I talk about our biggest asset, which is us, Mm -hmm. which is everyday Memphians. Um, And I don't think that right now we, we utilize that. We sell us to businesses as our people aren't smart, our kids aren't smart. We commit a lot of crime, they don't want to work. you know, but there's so much heart and soul in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we've not figured out how to show that to the world, no, you can't come here and pay folks six dollars an hour to like stamp your you know products and mail them out. Mm-mm. But we got the best rappers, the best chefs, the mm-hmm. best hairdressers some mm-hmm. of the dopest teachers yeah some of the craziest coolest preachers our people should be our biggest asset mm-hmm. we should be selling the work of everyone right mm-hmm. I, Everyone should want to listen to Ina Esco's podcast and everyone. go to Earl Fisher's church. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, everyone should be buying uh soap from Bubble Bistro mm-hmm. and I mean there's just so much creativity because because of all of these indicators, uh, because of widespread poverty and lack of, you know, educational uh opportunity, we've had to be creative. Mm-hmm. You know when teachers sitting. You know I work in education, so when teachers are talking about sending kids to the office because they're tapping on the table, those kids are tapping out. You know you know teach them math with it. Mm-hmm. Show me two plus two with those pencils. You want to beat on the table? Show me use a beat. Show me a, a beat that tells me what four times four is.
2: Yeah, get creative.
0: You know and and so everything. It's like that uh boxer who was like, Miff is Memphis, 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 <laughs> Miff," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that it's the people. And and I think that's our greatest resource and that's our greatest asset. I mean, you know, outside of that we got a lot to do. We have a lot. And my concern about development is that our development is not happening in a way that shows the uniqueness of our culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. It's what they're doing in Nashville or what did they do in D C.
3: Yeah.
0: You know. One of the names I heard today, I was like, it's called The Clipper. It's the new development. I gotta do with shit in Memphis. <laughs> right. You know? When, like, Isaac Hayes was popping. That mm-hmm. was Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, you know, Hot Butter Souls, best cornbread downtown. I and, bet. like, one of the best places to hang out. And people loved it because it represented us. What am I going to do with The Clipper? Yeah. What's that even
2: mean? Girl, you got me thinking about Isaac Hayes. <clears but throat> that was the girl... We got a lot of development right but we what are we what are we developing
0: and how and, and we can't and you know and, and people of color can't afford to be the developers
3: mm. Mm, mm,
2: mm.
0: why not
3: wow we got sixty
0: seven percent of the city is black seventy almost seventy five percent is people of color
2: mm-hmm. Wow now, with you being a commissioner, you go to your commissioner meetings. I know you guys be in meetings all day like <laughs> when you have them. Like, what are some of, I guess, the challenges in in your meetings? Because you have a lot of national recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of op-eds, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of... Where were you? You were out of town with... Um, Damn, it's so many, times I can't think of it. But, you know, you have a lot of national recognition is what I'm saying. How does that translate in your local meetings as a commissioner? Does does it even, you know, carry any weight? Like, can you
1: get things done a little faster? (laughs) Because, you know. How do you get
0: things done faster in the community?
1: Okay, in
3: the community.
0: Like, it doesn't carry weight on the commission. Like, no commissioner is like, oh, she was – You know, in Ebony last week, like right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Even though my uh, Democrat commissioners did give me a certificate for that, and you know, what that was nice. That was love. Yeah, I appreciated Mm -hmm. that. Um, But no, actually, I think that they thought I was going to come in and shut up, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and be quiet, like learn my way. You know, I'm the only woman
3: uh, that's a Democrat. There's
0: two white Republican women. So I'm the only black woman, I'm the only woman Democrat, I'm the youngest uh, woman, uh, and Michael Whaley and I are the only under 40, period, of a body of 13. So it can be very isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I had to learn was to trust myself. I remember voting once on something early on and feeling like I had to vote a certain way because everybody was for it and I was against it. It was actually funding for the bicentennial Wow. And they had this white boy presenting this white ass presentation about what we were going to fund for the bicentennial to be. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there like literally falling out of my seat. <laughs> like, what is that? Like, is he serious? Is this the bicentennial's going to be? But they were oh, for it. Yeah, and everybody's like, thank you so much for this work. I'm glad to know the 200th anniversary. And I was like, this white bread shit? And wow. then I'm looking around. It's like, yes, 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 yes. And I remember voting yes. And I was like. The feeling later that night, I was thinking about it. I was like, you're no wouldn't have hurt. They would have got their money.
1: Yeah,
0: And you would have still. And so now I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't vote for this today. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got, I got, you know, especially like my white Republican colleagues. They, they love to sigh. They do. It's <laughs> I written mean, all
2: over their face, huh? We
0: appointed a new county historian this week.
1: Mm hmm.
0: And before we voted, we were allowed to ask questions. And so I said, can you explain to me about how the history of Shelby County, how you plan to incorporate diversity, knowing that the county is majority uh, people of color? Mm-hmm. You know, so like right now, the history, if I went and read the history, is very focused on whiteness. So okay. share with me what your plans are to diversify the official telling of the history of Shelby County.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they were like, oh, <laughs> you know like everybody's like oh that's another 10 minutes you know but i wanted to hear answer it. the question and my vote went to the person who answered it best
2: well good
0: and the guy who i voted for actually was like commissioner sawyer thank you for that question i anticipated it would be coming for you and had his whole answer right now okay <laughs> and they should yeah it shouldn't just be me that they anticipated the question from on a body that represents a 75 percent People of color, county, you should know, don't come into before this body with no white bread shit. Right. They come in there and they tell me I got to vote for a $7 million or a $50 million proposal for you to do X, Y, and Z. But no, you didn't take the time to get no women or no people of color Mm. as your subcontractors. And I'm supposed to be okay with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Now they know. Uh, before and in our presentation, we'd like to show you our MWBE percentages, uh, and these are the list of the companies. Because every week, was the
2: MWBE on this?
0: Oh <laughs> no, okay,
2: no. <laughs> oh, you got one percent? No. What are we with our with our diversity spin in Memphis? What is it's that being per- spun? Like?
0: <laughs> is what it's spun? Oh wow! Don't believe any numbers that come out, especially from the city. Mm-hmm. I might be burning myself here saying that, but, hey. Right. I thought we were making people.
2: strides with increasing the spend with diversity procurement.
0: Understand.
2: Two-tier, three-tier spend
0: type. Is that what it is? So the spend is being spun. Okay.
2: <laughs> to make it look like we spend it.
0: To make it look like we spend it.
2: <laughs> I feel you. Oh,
3: uh,
0: in the first quarter, so what's that, June, July, August, right? Yeah, June, July, August 2018, which was the last uh, quarter before I was sworn in, mm-hmm. Shelby County only spent 1% of its dollars with people of color or women.
2: That's just ridiculous. In a in a city with 70% African Americans. I and mean, I we keep talking we about this spent
0: shit. $22 million in that quarter. And so we spent 1% with women or people of color. And only 4% went to locally owned businesses of any race or gender.
2: So we just not gonna answer. People should
0: fill thing. the streets.
2: For real, something, because this is happens. Okay, whatever. Answer.
0: So anytime you get those numbers, ask for them to be de aggregated. Yeah. So that you can see. Because one thing is like for example, in the city government, there is one firm that identifies as an Asian owned firm. It's owned by an Asian man. Mm-hmm. People increased his percentage a lot. He mm-hmm. went from like getting four million dollars to like twenty million. I'm just using those as numbers.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which drove up the MWBE numbers. Mm-hmm. But he's one business. Right. And so even the Asian community, right, is like, no, we not getting dollars. Right. This one brother's getting dollars. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, we're not getting funded in mass. It's like you went from four to twenty million dollars for one brother, you know. And In the black community, when we look at where that money's going and who it's going to, there's a list of about 10 businesses that are getting money from city government. Mm -hmm. Ten.
2: Mm -hmm. Girl, stop.
0: So we can't just get excited when we see a tweet that says, we have doubled MWBE spending. Doubled with who? Right. And what are those folks doing with their money?
2: Break that down for me. So. Wow, that's interesting. Don't believe the hype. Okay, I'm gonna get uh, Sarah Massey up in here <laughs> to come in be, the I aggregate. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was really no, seriously though. Seriously though, um, I, I used to work in procurement with Cummins, and it, at one point in time, our goal was to increase minority spend. So yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. How they play with the numbers yep. just to to make it look like we're You know, increased it or we've met our goal, blah, blah, blah. But in a city that has this many, you know, African-American people and businesses, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. You know, some of the, I guess, contracts go to some of the same people. Yep. Some of that old money still getting the old money. Yep. Same old, same old. Okay. Let's talk about the upcoming election, girl. You know, your friend Donald Trump is the president. But let's talk about the people that are running for office, mm-hmm. like our Sora Kamala
3: Harris. Yes.
2: So, did you hear the Breakfast Club interview?
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, do you see all the flack she's getting after the interview about the weed? Because
0: sh- she's getting the flack because nobody listened to it for themselves. Right. 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 Like, but they go insane on her. Yeah. So I, you know, shared on Instagram that I'm just disappointed. I turned on CNN at my office and the headline was Kamala Harris Kamala Harris is, you know, blackness being debated. And I'm like, what, what does that, to, why is CNN running this? Because we are, we will count her. Out, now. I'm cool with counting out Cory Booker. But we will count oh. out Kamala <laughs> before she even gets a chance to run and then be mad when Hillary announced in six months because we've cleared the field for her.
2: Mm. Why is everyone so upset with Kamala? Like, wh- is it because Because
0: of- we expect perfection and demand it. Mm-hmm. But we do not share that across the board because Obama was not perfect. Right. That's my boy, right? But he was not a perfect legislator. Everything that he voted on or did as president when he became president, either, was perfect for us. Mm-hmm. You know, he still had to be tough on crime. Mm-hmm. He still had to sign bills that hurt black people, black men disproportionately,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Um, but he's Obama, and he gets a pass.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Part of the Kamala backlash is sexism. How mm-hmm. dare she, mm-hmm. right? I experienced it, so I, I game recognized game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How dare you? Mm-hmm. Um, then she's married to a white man. Yeah. Double, how dare you?
2: Double. Triple.
0: If y'all knew <laughs> how to act, no, it's
2: uh, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Look
0: at the cameraman. Anyway, and I'm not, I. Would, that's not something I'm advocating for. I'm just saying, like, you don't know what led her to that situation. Right. And they are really pure, going these in purity on it. Tests mm-hmm. She's a security test of blackness. She's an AKA at Alpha Chapter and Howard. I don't even know anything else right? about her blackness, mm-hmm. right? And then because the same people riding around Memphis in E-classes are talking about I don't go to Orange Mound mm-hmm. are on Facebook talking about Kamala ain't black enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Talking about I can't go back to mahogany because I had to wait 30 minutes for my food, but Kamala Harris ain't black enough.
2: They ain't going in on uh, Kamala. What's up with Cory Booker?
0: Why, why you don't <laughs> like Cory Booker? Well, because on the flip side, he's definitely showing his whiteness. <laughs> I mean, you know, first he says, Don't get mad at white people for blackface. Put yourself in their shoes. Come on, bro.
2: He said that. Yes. I missed that one. Wait a minute, Cory.
0: I can't even remember what it was, but he's just like, There has to be like this whiteness come to Jesus. Yes. He- He's dancing. (laughs) He is dancing for these votes. Um, And I feel like Corey is kind of like, look, I already know how y'all feel about me, so I don't have to play your game. Mm -hmm. You know.
2: When he was on The Breakfast Club, his his interview was so boring to me. Like, you know, it it was just like he was pitching the whole time. But Kamala, she was cool. She was a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. But um, just looking at Twitter, they they've been going in on Kamala. I'm like, get off my sorrow, man. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, so we're gonna play a little game right now, Tammy. All right. It's called This or That because you're gonna have to choose one. Okay. And you have to tell me why. (laughs) Now it's various things that I'm gonna be throwing at you. Okay. Okay, we're gonna start with a little alcohol to begin with. <laughs> okay. Jameson or Sarak? Jameson. I thought you was a Ciroc girl.
0: I was in my twenties. I vodka makes me <laughs> sick to my I, Maybe I had too much of it at one time, but Jameson. You yeah
2: Okay, so it's Jameson. Okay. R. Kelly or Bryson Tiller.
0: Is Bryson problematic? Bryson.
2: Do we know?
0: I don't know, but I guess Bryson. Who's picking R. Kelly? <laughs> you're not apparently (laughs) I'd have to burn the tapes (laughs) what about that oh all Kelly though no comment
2: okay so okay 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 so that was a Bryson right (laughs) Kamala or Cory Booker I think I know the answer Kamala you know what while we're talking about Kamala and Cory Booker for a minute let's back up a little bit um you know Cory is claiming to run for president and he's actually not married So I know he mentioned he had a boo, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, do you think, even with you, is it pressure Mm -hmm. to have a partner being in a role like a commissioner?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. um, Michael Whaley and I are the only unmarried commissioners. And it's interesting because as a woman, as a black woman, and he's like, he's like seen as, you know, suave, playboy, young Michael Whaley. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang. (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) you know and for like me it's you know it's all these questions you know i've been talking about my political future with people and they're like well why don't you know you could take a break and get married and have kids because like you're 36 don't you want that (laughs) i'm supposed like I like don't know. They know what you, want. <laughs> you know, but it's like my fertility, my my how people define me as a woman is based on the fact that I'm not married and I don't have children, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to be gay or I have to, you know, not be able to keep a man or I've chosen my career. You know, if you get real whole tepish, okay. I am the I am the symptom of what's wrong with the black community is black women choosing to be successful over, you know, having a relationship. Mm-hmm. Apologies to my brother over here, but again, <laughs> if our men were, had been raised to see us as equals,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think we would be in a much better situation. And I think there's work to be done on both sides. I definitely do not get into the black men versus black women thing because mm-hmm. I think we all need to work together and really bring love back to our community. I hate to sound like, like a old school preacher. Love, uh, but yeah. the destruction of our relationships is a destruction of our community. And it makes me sad that, like, we can't see eye to eye. But also that we can't, like, I see partnerships in other community where it's like, we're both going to work. We're both going to hustle. We're both going to grind yeah. and, and, and bring money to the table. And do this side by side and there's no ego there's no jealousy mm-hmm. and I struggle with finding that in black men mm-hmm. but I also was raised by a very strong black man and I would never betray my father and date outside my race yeah. but
3: but, it's come a but.
0: on <laughs> like, you gotta be okay with me being the commissioner you think
2: your daddy would be upset with you if you dated at wife? this point no
0: no
2: they just, want, they just want they just want
0: pitter patter a little feet my mom be like oh you got another award
2: <laughs> where my grandbaby at <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many eggs you got left? <laughs> you know,
1: Wow. she doesn't say that y'all.
0: But everyone, I had to tell her at Christmas, like, can you stop? Like yeah. with the like, I can't wait to have another grand. And she's got two by my brother.
2: Wow. You know they want the. You know they want the. They want grandbabies from all the kids. But I feel you on that because I, I was wondering <clears> if you <throat> were feeling any pressure
0: because oh. I. I mean that's just something that I. I've you know learned to ignore and I'm so busy that like it would take a lot for someone right mm-hmm. now with my current grind and as my grind continues like it's Mm -hmm. only going to get uh more heightened Mm this you know 2019 is a big year Mm -hmm. and you know so it's only going to get even more heightened and so like it i i admittedly am not seeking right now because like i can't ramp nothing up with nobody (laughs) <laughs> you know, it better be like an old homie who decides he, you know, be like, yo, Tammy. <laughs> Y'all <laughs> like, that that fellas, where I'm old homies at? Old homies who are listening. <laughs> oh, homies where you at. It's a love connection. <laughs> but no, and but I will say I do feel bad for Corey in a way because I I do believe as a woman, me being a single actually might be more at a higher level. Men are expected to have a first lady. Mm-hmm. Corey going for president versus, like, Stacey Abrams going for governor. Mm -hmm. No one ever asked Stacey Abrams, like, so where's your husband? But people are going to ask Corey, so where's your girlfriend? Where's your wife? You know? um, Mm -hmm. But I do think, especially being in Memphis, being in the South, I do feel the pressure, like, when I show up at places and it's just me. Mm -hmm. And also to be, like, clear with men, like, you know, one... I'm a commissioner. Not your thought.
2: Not your thought. <laughs> and two. was <laughs> <laughs> number one.
0: Did I <laughs> And two, like me sitting at the table. Like I've had guys who be like, yo, you know, I told my wife I was having a meeting with you. I had to make sure she was cool. I'm like, I'm not here to break up your home. I literally want to talk to you about paving roads. Oh <laughs> like, it's so
2: interesting.
0: But good topic. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. 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 <laughs> so, okay.
2: We was rolling with Kamala. <laughs> A Last one, this or that. Do you enjoy the kickback more or social therapy from a party perspective?
0: Shout out to Marvin, but I am a kickback girl all day. I already (laughs) do (laughs) that.
2: What do you like so much about the kickback, Tammy?
0: It's like, so you remember that scene in... and loving basketball when they walk into the party and Omar mm-hmm. Ep's got on the overalls. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel, like, every time I walk in and kick back. It's yeah. like going into an old college party. I wish there was a space table. Like, that's yeah. the only thing that's missing from the kickback is a table we can play yeah. spades. I love all the DJs. Big Sue is the homie. Devin's the homie. Superman is the homie. Um, I grew up listening to Howard, you know, mm-hmm. and so... And I just feel... And I feel safe there, mm-hmm. right? It's a place where, like, even though I have... Become synonymous with things that might not expect me to be in the club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people aren't weird.
2: Yeah, they're not know? judgy. They're not
0: judgy. Everybody's just there to have a good time. I can just yeah. be like chill. I can just be Tammy, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just and and the people I just mentioned always look out. It's just chill. It's, yeah. it's good music, good time. It's my. Absolute
2: favorite event in the city. I know. with Devin tell us a little <laughs> something, something about the next one? That's going to be yeah, nice. The next
0: one, I'm looking forward to it. It's yeah. going to be warm, so it's going it's to be, be nice. A different.
2: The next one, I'm looking forward to it. Well, Tammy, I really enjoyed you on the pod. Thank you. We've learned a lot about <laughs> you. Now, at this time, I want you to, I guess, you know, as as the commissioner, or you know, as my soror just kind of speak to what you think is the outlook for Memphis politics from your perspective.
0: Yeah. So you brought up 2020, um, but we can't forget that 2019 is a big year politically. Yeah. Um, We have an opportunity to look at our current mayor um, and decide if we want four more years of the same. Um, And I think people should definitely watch out for who gets into that race um, and, and ask yourself, what are they saying? What are they talking about? Momentum is good, but momentum for who? Mm-hmm. Um, and so pay attention to the city council races. Pay attention to the mayor's race. Hold people accountable. Ask the hard questions. Mm-hmm. Those numbers you're reporting, those best of lists <laughs> that you're shouting out, what's behind them? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you talking about poverty? Why aren't you talking about kids not being in schools because of heating or rodents? Mm-hmm. You know, and what's that mean for, like, the future of everyone? Yeah. Is it a Memphis for all or is it a Memphis for the same sum? Mm-hmm. Um And then I would just say, like, even looking forward, we had this Black Girl Magic movement last year. Mm-hmm. Um, historical numbers of black women elected to office. I, I believe that we'll continue to see, as this is the time of women in politics, that being a central theme this year with city council and Mayors race, and as we move forward. But also, young black men have a space here, too. Um, and, you know, definitely looking out for some brothers, you know, who are out there. Some you've interviewed. You know, Mikkel is my colleague. I know he's going to do great things. Yeah. Um, there's people who've announced races already. Mm-hmm. And then I'm big on diversity. So, like, David Clemens is, you know, running for city council. He would be the first LGBTQ person elected to office if he won mm. in 2019.
2: That would be awesome. You know,
0: Um and then often, you know, black and white is really how we think about things in Memphis. But we have the fastest-growing Latinx population in the state, mm. so where are our Latino representatives? Where we're are Latino representatives, right? And, and are we evolving to a place where, as we, as Black people, continue to lift as we climb, we're including the Latinx population in that as well, and not oppressing them as we've been oppressed, mm. right? And that's sometimes a hard conversation for us to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a lot that's you know on the forefront. Um, and a lot of change and we all everyone listening to the sound of my voice Mm -hmm. have a responsibility to show up Mm -hmm. show up to vote every time it gets exhausting but it's even more exhausting to run for office yeah so show up to vote on that one day right and Mm -hmm. if it's three times you know in 2020 you'll have to vote three times Um, show up to vote um, support candidates volunteer write checks canvas I think that as we see more people, especially, you know, under 45 year olds invested in politics, we're going to see more people on the ground working for them. Mm-hmm. And I just encourage y'all to get involved in some way. And if it's not politics, whatever it is, you know, commit to being a change maker in the city.
2: Wow. All right. I heard that district. 7. <laughs> now, how can everybody get in touch with you, Tammy, or follow you on social media?
0: I am at Tammy Sawyer, T-A-M-I-S-A-W-Y-E-R, on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can also reach me, same, I mean, Google me. Google her, <laughs> Google her. See all <laughs>
2: Big shout-outs to my store, Tammy Sawyer. Thank you so much for coming to the Berkley Podcast. I, I really enjoyed you, baby. <laughs>